0: November 9th, 2021. We're in Masekit Roshananda bet seven lines from the bottom. This morning's class is Le'duin Ishmat Rahel Hayabat Salha by Jesse Sutton. Uh, this morning's class and the classes throughout the week, Tehini Shmatasir, Rabi Srot HaHayim, Amen. Just bring us back for just a moment to the beginning of the class yesterday. Jesse asked a question at the time. The Gemara was making derashot, or making a derasha on the pasuk, which described at the end of the third year when you are doing bi'ur ma'asrot, the pasuk describes, ki when you're finished dealing with your ma'asrot, on shenat Maaser, you might remember those words, right? Shenat the Gemara was doresh, it's a singular ma'asir on that year, on the third year. And the Gemara had a dirasha, which ma'asir is it? Uh, well, it's got to be just one, it can't be ma'asir sheni and ma'asir ani at once, it's rather only ma'asir ani. Ask the Gemara, does that mean there's no ma'asir ishon, remember the first tithe, which is given to the Levim, and the Gemara said it can't be for one of two reasons, terashot from outside, which meant to say when all the dust settled, the Gemara said on the third year of the seven-year cycle, much as the sixth year, every three years in the cycle, the third and the sixth, the halakha is going to be, instead of Maaser rishon to the Livyim, Ma'asir sheni on my own in Jerusalem, third and sixth years, the second Maaser is given to the poor people. Jesse asked, how is it that the Gemara felt compelled to make a separate derasha, separate determination from the Pasuk that we give to the Leviim? If you recall, they said, well, it's one Ma'asir, it's to the uh, Anim. Now, the second Ma'asir, in other words, really the first tithe you're giving to the Leviim we had different dirashot, or because of Nachala, he said, just read the Pasuk. You might recall, he asked me, read the Pasuk. It says, the Pasuk says, The next words, the next words atata, la levi. He says, give it to the Levi. And then it says, So I answered him what I answered him. Rashi answers the question long before me. Rashi suggests that this Pasuk, had we not had other dirashot afterwards, would have been interpreted as follows. Think about who the poor people are. Poor people are not only the, quote, destitute, impoverished individuals, they're also those who don't have their own helek v'nachala <laughs> The Levim, the Levim don't have their own inheritance in the land. We could have and perhaps would have interpreted the pasuk as third year goes to People and Levi'im, not Levi'im as Maaser but rather Levi'im as Maaser Ani. So when the pasuk mentions Levi as part of the list, it's not separate. In other words, you give Maaser rather it's Maaser Ani. That's how Rashi at the top of the you know several lines down yeah, explains it. Third year. this. This would know. be the third year. The third year would be only Maaser Ani, yeah. who lines up for the uh, soup the kitchen, Levi'im and Geria and Yatom Almana and so forth but they don't get their own. In other words, whereas on a regular year, they, and, and the Halakha is on the third year, they get their own Ma'ase and then if they're still poor, they could go for ma'azir ani as well. Uh, the, 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 the Rasha would have been, that's what we, uh, if you just gave to the Levi, yeah, yes. Yes, that's what you would have thought. I mean, but the Halakha is you need to give double. You need to give Maasei to the Levi and then maaser as well. Okay, well that's old, old information. It's just important for us to clarify that. Uh, we're seven lines from the bottom. And again, the particular context will be somewhat narrow. You'll see the Gemara will quickly broaden, involving us in in larger issues, perhaps more interesting, even though detailed matters. So the Gemara, if you recall, was in the context of describing how do we determine according to halacha, with agricultural growth in the field, what is considered a mature, uh, a, a sprouted uh, item with regards to this is the time that we cut off and we say, this item is hayav in, in other words, for argument's sake, the Gemara gave us these sorts of circumstances. Your fruit, not your fruit, your uh, tevua, your grain or your grapes or your olives grew a third prior to Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah passes, you still haven't picked the olive, the grape, the uh, the wheat out of the field. Rosh Hashanah passes and now I'm looking to give ma'asir. Do I determine the ma'asir for my new count of this coming year after Rosh Hashanah? I, after all, I only cut it afterwards. Or alternatively, since it grew a third beforehand, do I determine it based on the past year and it's based on my last year's count? The halakha is, we saw in the Beraita at the bottom of the page over here in Dafyot Bet. it goes based on the past year. A third is the, termi- the determination of a finished item with regards to ma'asir on these specific circumstances. The Gemara wanted to know what's your source for that. Now, you're clearly not gonna find an explicit source for this, but can you find some sort of remes, some semich bakera? Because it after all, we're dealing with the mitzvah from the Torah. You're dealing with the circumstance of which it's a mitzvah min ha-Torah, when I'm dealing with Said the Gemara, Tirosh, ha-nemileh. Again, seven lines from the bottom. Amar amar matuba Amar kera, the Pasuk says, mikes sheva shanim shenata says the says the pasuk in the Torah every seven years, following the seventh year, you'll be standing on the eighth year. It's Sukkot time. You're going to gather all of Am Yisrael together in Jerusalem. It appears, and we're going to speak to them words of Torah. We traditionally then understand it's the king who's reading them the words of the Torah. It's the mitzvah known as hakel. Now, interestingly, the way the pasuk describes it, it's after the seventh year. Meaning we're on the eighth year or on year one in the new count, but the pasuk then describes it as shenat Shemitah. Is it after the seventh year or is it the seventh year itself? How can you describe it as both? It's not seventh, but it is the seventh. Again, miketz after shavashanim ba moed shenat Shemitah be Sukot. on the holiday, meaning Sukkot, but shenat Shemitah says the Gemara shenat hashemitah mayavidete be hagasukot shminiti. In this circumstance, we should be on the 8th year, or alternatively the 1st of the new count. El <inaudible> rather, perhaps this is a hint in the text that sometimes you'll be standing on what appears to be year 8, but halachically speaking, if you put on your lenses of halacha, you're really still on year 7. How would that be so? Well, if my item grew a third during the year of Shemitah, but I didn't cut it off, I have olives which They're grew a third. Sure. Where did he get the third from, bro? Very important question. Very important question. As I said, Morris, says, where did a third come up with? I don't know you told me maybe there was a growth beforehand. Who came up with this number third? That will be the Gemara and Daf Yod Gimau. And the Gemara will, will slam you for asking that question, but don't worry, as did an Emora, and he got slammed for asking such a question. Why, it's doubting the rabbis, that's pretty much the, uh... but anyway, the description is, at the very least we can accept, there was a growth which was a requisite growth. In other words, it's not that it was cutting, which determined this item to be finished or not, it's rather, it's still on the tree, it's uh, somehow associated with year seven, even though it's only being cut. It appears, or we would argue, on year eight. How can you find such a such, such a situation? It must be it matured on year seven. Mars, of course, asks, "Who said maturity is determined by a third, An important question, but for our purposes right now, at the very least, we need to put on our lenses to envision such a circumstance that I made I, I made money in the past year. And as a result, quote-unquote, I I had progress in the past year. As a result, this got stuck in the last year, even though the dividends are only being paid out in year eight. That's really what's taking place over here. Year seven, yeah, that's when you generated the income, the revenue, but you didn't actually pull it in. You didn't actually cut it off and sell it until year eight. And nonetheless, you're not allowed to touch it on year eight. Not allowed to touch it? Why not? I only cut it on year eight. You tell me it's Asur. That's right. This is the growth of seven. This is determined as seventh year, meaning Shemitah, you forbidden, uh, forbidden product. The... important question says Jesse what are you talking about you're telling me about Shemitah over here I, I introduced this matter as the Gemara did talking about Maasir when you determined how to take a tenth, is it for that year, or is it for this year, what's clear from the Gemara is we're equating the two. We're saying maturity of fruit, maturity of, of produce, is identical for all realms, or at the very least these two realms of halakha. If I'm thinking agriculturally, I'm putting that brains on, that mind on, I'm looking at this produce and I'm saying what is the determination, according to halakha, according to Torah, of Mature fruit, mature vegetable, mature whatever. And that's the, so as a result, we are equating. You're right, we bring a proof from Shemitah. We have no problem to, uh, doing so. Says the Gemara again, it must be, two lines from the bottom, this is coming to tell you, cultivu'a, any uh, grain. <coughs> and again, grain by extension is a reference to, Tirosh chavi sarecha, um, grapes and olives as well. Those are the matters from the Torah, which are hayav b'ma'aseh, which you need to give a tenth from, sheheviya shelish, which brought a third. In other words, it grew a third. How do we describe growth? Hard to describe, as I mentioned already. How do you determine? You're really talking about the essence, not just the uh, volume. Okay, but you have to figure it out one way or another. We generally speaking assume it's based on volume. On the seventh year, before the first of Tishrei, it will have the status of Shemitah, seventh year, even though you're on the eighth year. Why so? That's seventh year produce, but I only cut it afterwards. Doesn't matter, it matured on year seven. That's the that's the that. Same thing would happen year six. Indeed, indeed. Says Jeffrey, you'd be able to, in a specific circumstance, if the growth was really on the sixth. And other words, a shelisha on the 6th, that's produce which is not being uh, worked on on the 7th year. It's not 7th year growth, it's rather 6th year growth without any tosefet shvi'it business, assuming it's really prior to it. That would be the halakha. Says the Gemara, Says ravaseh. Maybe you're misreading the pasuk entirely. Maybe this pasuk has nothing to do with there was a growth on the 7th. No growth whatsoever. I look at the field at the beginning of the eighth year, of year one, my new year one, and it's not a third grown already. Rather, dilma, maybe, la'ayil kelal, nothing has really come up. You're not a third. That's not what we're talking about. What was the pasuk talking about? Keep in mind, this is all a from the pasuk. The pasuk says you're on the eighth year, but it's shenat Hashemita. It's not shenat So we said, oh, I can find a quasi-case. I can put on my, my lenses and say, well, this is really seventh year produce even though I'm on the eighth year. No, 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 no. Nothing has nothing has grown. So what are you telling me? the Torah is telling me something more foundational and more far, wide-reaching. How so? You're looking at a barren field on Aleph B'Tishrei of year 8. Barren! Am I allowed to work it? Honey, I haven't worked for a year. I'm gonna dust off my uh, my clothing. I'm gonna clean the mud off my boots. I'm gonna go out and start working the field. Don't do so. Why not? There's nothing out in the field. This isn't the growth from the seventh. Look at the field. It's absolutely barren. No, the Torah is saying with this statement, you have to wait. You have to extend shemitah back to our discussion a few pages ago of tosefet Perhaps what the Torah is alluding to over here is saying your seventh year really continues after your seventh year. How much so? at least 15 days, it brings you into Sukkot. So when the Torah says you're on the eighth year at, or rather on the seventh year after the seventh year on Sukkot. How am I on the seventh year? If I'm after the seventh year, it's a virtual seventh year because you're extending it the same way you might extend Shabbat. You might finish Shabbat later. I mean, we've talked about beginning Shabbat earlier in Tosefit, but you can end Shabbat later as well. It's also Tosefit on that end, on the back end. So too, over here, perhaps that's what the Torah is saying. In other words, you don't have any reference in the Pasuk about the growth beforehand or not. This is just simple Pasuk. There's nothing out in the field. No work in the the field at the beginning of the 8th year. Why not? It's the 8th year. We extend the 7th year. Maybe that's what the pasuk is saying. V'dilma, maybe again from the top, kelal, nothing has come up, la lot in the growth of the field. the Torah is telling you, hold back, in other words, milashon shemitah, hold back, drop it down, v'tezil, and keep going without working the field. Ad ha'g hasukot, says the Gemara, Wrong reading of the pasuk. The pasuk must be referring to there was already a growth beforehand or at the very least will support that notion from another pasuk. A little bit. A little bit intricate. A little bit complicated this other denashah but it goes like this. Diktiv. The pasuk in the context of describing Hag HaSukot begins it like this. Hag hag ha'asif First and foremost, the words in the Pasuk are Hagha Asif, loosely and easily translated as the holiday of gathering. Asifai is to gather, right? That's what the Pasuk says. Hagha Asif. This is a Pasuk in Parashat Mishpatim, right? In Shemot Pere Kafkima. If you'll just, or I could read it to you, you, either look at it on the side of the page or I'll read it to you. It says Hagha Asif, Those are interesting words. It's at the end of the year. It's the end of the agricultural year, certainly, when I gather in. I'm at the end of my agricultural year. (inaudible) When you gather, when you bring in your produce from the field. It's an interesting way of describing, describing the holiday in a double, almost redundant, mention of the gathering. It says it's the gathering holiday when you at the end of the year when you gather your produce. I mean, you called it the gathering holiday. I kind of knew it's the time when you're gathering. It doesn't say earlier, on the time when you're koser, the holiday of cutting, when you cut. I'd rather just call other holiday, Hag Hag hasir. Why is the pasuk have a double mention? Hag HaAsif, Sukkot is the holiday of gathering. When you gather from the field, why double it like that? Clearly, or, or perhaps, as the Gemara, that initial mention of Hag HaAsif needs to be trans, retranslated. When we said afterwards in the pasuk, again, my sentence is on the gathering holiday or Hag HaAsif, when you gather, maybe the first word, Asif, it's to be a little bit broadened. So and says the Gemarab as follows. beset May Asif. What does it mean when the Torah refers to sukkot as the gathering holiday? perhaps you'll say, compound word, perhaps you'll say, habab is It's the holiday which comes during the time of gathering. It's when you're out in the field gathering your produce ha it can't be so because the continued words of the pasuk say, the ospecha when you gather. That's redundant. You don't speak, I mean, it's, it's, the Torah shouldn't and wouldn't speak in such a fashion. Say, the gathering holiday, when you gather. Just say, the gathering holiday. Or just say, when you gather. Ela, rather that first word in the pasuk describing this holiday, "my asif kasir. It must be that word asif, which is the final stage of the cutting process. Is actually a reference to the cutting itself. That's a little bit of a tough hard sell, but that's the suggestion. So it goes like this: the holiday which determines cutting takes place at the time when you gather. Well, what does that mean? The holiday which determines cutting. Well, Kim she Rosh shana. It goes like this. This is the holiday on which after the year, the end of the year, you're cutting and then you're gathering, oh yeah, wait, one second, you know. after Rosh Hashanah, because it's said beset Hashanah. So let me just piece all the words again, a little complicated over here. Hag HaAsif translate as the holiday of the finished cutting, okay? After the year, meaning after Rosh Hashanah, when you're gathering in from the field, there's a lot of interesting details all mixed together. So it goes like this. The holiday when you might cut items which were grown from Rosh Hashanah, well, that's the holiday of the gathering. Which sort of items would I cut that they were ready in some way on Rosh Hashanah? The goes like this. Items which were already mature on Rosh Hashanah. That's what you'd be cutting really on Sukkot. Third mature. I'm calling that mature, halakhically speaking, mature enough. As Morris pointed out yesterday, it's good we're not talking about bananas over here. A third mature banana, not going to taste all that good. But apparently when we're dealing with a third in essence, a third in the tivua, a third in the tirosh, and the yisar, we're dealing with something that's mature enough. But again, that's the derasha, so the derasha again goes like this. After the beginning of the year, or as the last year finished, you're now on Sukkot, going to be cutting stuff that was from that Rosh Hashanah finished. You'll cut it and you'll gather it in. What sort of stuff are you going to be cutting and gathering in this redundant, unnecessary mention in the Pasuk? It must be the stuff which was a third ready, which means it's mature. And that's what the Pasuk describes it as. Okay, that's the difficult That's the derasha. but that's the way the Gemara goes with it. Now the Gemara, in reflecting on that derasha. Accepting the derasha and in the reading of the pasuk. Again, the reading of the pasuk is a reference to, in a difficult, not easy to, to meet the eye way, the pasuk is referring to that which is cut, but it was really ready from Rosh Hashanah, meaning the minimal readiness, and that's a third, and that's our derasha. in turn, that a third growth is what determines finished item. So who said a third growth? I get what you're saying. You're associating that cutting, with the Rosh Hashanah, and you tell me it was kind of ready from Rosh Hashanah, and that's why you're cutting it on Sukkot. But who said a third? Maybe it's a half. Maybe it's a quarter. In other words, we're determining over here. I walk into the room, I say, what is a finished item for Halakha? You told me a third. You have a derashah in the pasuk? I have a derashah the pasuk that it doesn't need to be 100%. All right, maybe it needs to be 90%. So just Maybe it needs another, to be fifty percent. giving another source of how you get into a therapy. This is another source. The source before we were not so keen. We were not really so really excited here. about because we said it might be Tosefit. So oh, now okay. we have another source. But this therapy. source is still not sufficient because I can come. In, I'll say it like this. Okay. I can come into the room and I say, "Listen, in my school we accept students who are not even six years old to first grade." All right, that's my statement. That's the pasuk in the Torah. Pasuk in the Torah says there's something that determines a child even when they're five, they're ready for first grade. I said, everybody says, we know the cutoff is, I don't know, November. I don't remember. They used to have these cutoffs. no, they still do. November. And so, who said it's November? I heard it's October. I heard it's December. Yeah, they extended a month before them. So, two months before. In other words, you're assuming, you found me a verse in the Torah, you found me a reference in the Torah that tells me that I'll determine this as being ready, even though, quote, it's not fully ready. Who said a third? This is Mar's question from beforehand. Beautiful, bring me all the derashot you want. Tell me that in your school we accept even before six years old, even though, for argument's sake, you need to be six years old when you start first grade, whatever it is. Uh, who said what the cutoff is? So who told you a third? That's the Gemara. He got a little bit more strong in his questioning. Rabbi says to Rabbi Zera, so I'm thinking about rabbi slam him almost the audacity to say that. Did the rabbis, do the rabbis really have that discerning eye? Do they really know that the maturity of these items is at a third? In other words, clearly we're working with their agricultural understanding. They found a reference in the Torah to tell us that a item, a tirosh, a yitzar, a tevuah, the grain, the grapes, the, the olives, are ready before we think they're ready. If you have a real agricultural farmer's eye, you know this is ready. Who said it's a third? It says Rabir Miyah What the rabbis are so well versed in this? And in turn, Morris, it's, this one's for you. Didn't I tell you already? Don't take your heart, don't take your soul out of halakha. In other words, what do you mean? Of course the rabbis had this all worked out. That's the response. The response is a third was their understanding. Had they get to their understanding? Not with Ruach HaKodesh, that's not gonna be the reference in the Gemara. With an understanding, how'd they have an understanding? They got they got their hands dirty, they spoke to the experts. They were the experts. I don't know, but that's what the, the response of Rabbi is. And they will in turn, the Gemara will in turn say, I'm gonna bring you several other places where the rabbis read a pasuk in the Torah, and they then evaluated, based on their knowledge in this world, as to the reality. You might claim it's otherwise, but we're telling you their determination, and the third, as a result, is a rabbinic determination as to what the Torah means. All I know is the Torah told me the cutoff begins earlier. What's that earlier? The rabbis did their research and determined the third. Judah? The oh. third or not, right? Let's say there was only half is No, half is more than third. A quarter. If it's a quarter, you're allowed to cut it on the eighth. If it's a quarter, it counts for Maaser on your eighth. Important question. Important question, which I can't answer you because I don't know because I'm not because I'm too much. A, it's it's a farm.
1: Far, rabbis were
0: the farmers, but he's asking anyway. How do you determine that? I can't tell you exactly how you determined that, but is okay. Says the Gemara. He says to him, "Call me dot hachamim." Can who? Says, Don't you know all the measurements of the rabbis are so? In other words, they were very medaktik. They were very careful in determining exact amounts. When they determined, when they stated an amount for telling you what the Torah means in one context or another, they were very particular. For example, we'll give you a few examples. Number one, The halakha is for tvilat misvah in order to do a kosher immersion in a mikveh, the mikveh has to have 40 sa'ah of rainwater or 40 sa'ah fresh water, not collected water. What is 40 sa'ah? It's a measurement. Now, does that mean if I have arbaim se'ah haser korto, 40 sa'ah, just missing a minuscule amount. These are measurements. Sa'ah is a measurement and kortob is a measurement. Sa'ah is a large measurement, kortob is a minuscule measurement. So if it's 40 minus a minuscule amount, Is it now invalidated? So he'd say, no, the rabbis were kind of figuring this out. About. No. You cannot immerse in it. Where did they come up with this? Had The Torah, they have a dirasha elsewhere, the Torah says that you need to be tovil your goof in mind You need to take your body and immerse it in water. What is, they determined, the normal amount for the average person to have a full immersion in water, it's arbaim se'ah. As a result of that exact number, they determined that a mikveh, which is less than 40 se'ah of water, the requisite amount, even a minus, minuscule amount, is is pasul. Why is this being mentioned in our context? For the same reason. When they came up with shlish, or miya? when they came up with shlish, Morris they were very careful about this. Don't think hekhe, they pulled this out of their pocket, out of their hat, and they just said, what's that? What That's a question in quantification. It's not a question in determination. Somehow they, somehow, and again, I can't tell you Fashima are not certain, they quantified a third. Uh, Once they, and even, let me tell you, even with all of this, even with 40 se'ah, even with a third, the the statement elsewhere is more than once, we can't have an exact amount. The Torah wasn't given to angels, and the rabbis are going to do as good as they can. So a third, and that uh, measurement generally speaking, is the closest they could come to in determining maturity of each of these items. That's the best you're going to do. You're right. These others are going to be even more precise in terms of distinction, in terms of looking at it and saying it. But this is the numbers. Furthermore, kabeza mitama tumat ochalin. Kabeza haser shumshum. Eno mitama tumat ochalin. Kabeza is a measurement. And the halakha is if you have food, which is the size of kabeza, it's a size in volume, that food can in turn impart tum'ah, you know, this, this uh, ritual contamination onto other items, onto other foods. Now, if it's a kabetsa, if your food item is a kabetsa, it's that volume, haser shum shum, it's minus the size or volume of a sesame seed. Same thing, come on, what's the difference? In such a circumstance, it will not impart tum'ah. Why not? What's the difference? Here's the tzimtzum. They had a full and complete understanding is our acceptance of these measurements. Had they come up with that number, the Gemara, as Rashi cites elsewhere, has a derasha. The pasuk says, and the derasha in turn is, and that's in the context of Tuma, it's a Gemara Masechet Yoma, right? The Gemara says, the pasuk says that any food which is eaten, which means that I'm determining the size of the food, say the rabbis, based on eating at bilia Ahat, how can a normal person swallow, what's the max minimum size, they, maximum size they could swallow at once? Kabeza. As a result, kabeza is the requisite side for imparting Tuma. If it's even Haseh Shum Shum, if it's even a little bit smaller in its volume, buy a single sesame seed in terms of volume, it's not mitame. Why is the Gemara citing this again? For the same purpose that it cited the last one, Arbaim Seah and Yirmiya, you're really doubting this shilish business? Listen, this is what we do all the time, is what Rabbi Zera is saying to him. We accept that they did their research and that they looked into these matters, they read the Psukim and the Torah, they determined what we're looking for. What are we looking for? The size of belia'ahat of one swallow, the size of regular immersion for a, for a regular person, the size of mature, uh, mature uh, produce. In each of these circumstances, these are the measurements they came up with to the extent that they were precise Last one it says the says the Gemara Shelosha al Shelosha Metama Midras Shelosha Al Shelosha Hasernima Ahat Enomet Midras there's something called Tumat Midrash Midras. Tumat Midras is the um what was it called? The pea with all the um all the, 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 the mattresses on top of it, they acted in seventh grade when I was in school. What's that? The princess and the pea? Is that what it's called? It's a pea at the bottom of all the mattresses, and she's so mefuna, Mefuneke She lies on the top, and she feels the pea at the very bottom. Nobody knows this thing. All right, anyway, what's that? Yeah, we learned, we learned it's our grade. It was no, seventh grade. I, exactly. I was, I was going to be in the play. I dropped out of the play, but I remember the story. Anyway, that, that's... T- that's, too, no, 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 it's, it wasn't learning, it was the play. We acted this anyway. All right, anyway, you, you were in it? No, you're probably unlike the basketball team. Anyway, tumat midras, tumat midras is the following. It's um, even if there are many items stacked one on top of the other, let's imagine it as clothing or mattresses, one on top of the other, and a person who's tamé now lies or leans on one of those top ones. Everything underneath it, although they didn't touch them, in turn gets Tum'a, so it kind of shoots down. The same way that princess was able to feel the pea at the very bottom, so too, so to speak, the Tum'a is felt and reverberates and funnels downward. Well, that being the case, how do I determine is there a requisite size for these mattresses for these items that lay underneath the halakha is so it has to be that each one of them if we're dealing with a big if we're dealing with a keli has to be 3 by 3 tefahim we consider 3 by 3 tefahim, just about this is about a tefah 3 by 3 of these that's the regular space that a person would lean on or sit on or lie on whatever that is the size for tumat midras so if anything is smaller than that it doesn't it doesn't accept that tuma. where they come up with that number again the same sort of circumstance They needed to determine what's the regular leaning space, what's the regular uh, putting your your weight on space. They determined three by three. If it's even three by three, haser nima ahat. Nima means a hair. It's a hair, breadth, width, size, less. That is not mat midras. That's the third of these three examples that the Gemara gives for Rabbi Ramiya, you serious? You doubting this matter? You don't think they figured out the third? You don't think they put in their research to determine the third and exactly the third? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Ramiya did to Shuba. Hadar, Amar Rabbi, Er-Miyah. Rabbi Er-Miyah, after he got slammed by Rabbi Zera, Hadar means afterwards, he said, Lav uh, That which I said earlier, no, that was nothing. Uh, don't forget, I said that. Well, what'd you say earlier? I don't even want to mention it, I'll tell you. He said earlier that he was uncertain about this third. I accept it. Not only do I accept it, I'm going to prove it to you, says Rabi I heard that <laughs> the students, literally, the, the friends, that's how we consider it. That's the word in Talmudic uh, language very often. They asked Rav kahana the following question. The pasuk, and we'll mention this pasuk later in the Gemara, describes in Sefer Yehoshua how we arrived in Eris Yisrael and Erez Kena'an on the 10th of Nisan. Now, we've discussed in the past, but we'll mention very briefly now again. The way it works is grain, which was produce, produced in the past year, is not permitted until after Hakravata Haomer. Hakravata Haomer was this sacrifice which came on the second day of Pesach from barley, right? It was brought in the mikdash when we had the mikdash. And as a result, you then had all the grain from the previous year. mutar, that's what we call Kemah Anything that was produced before that time, and you haven't had Korban Ha'omer, you're not allowed to eat yet. You You're not allowed to benefit from that just yet. You have to wait until after the second day of Pesach. What sort of grain are you using before then? Grain from the previous year. That's the Halachat and the Torah. Well, here it is. We arrive in the land of Israel. It's the 10th of Nisan. We got five days until that date. And until that date, we're probably eating bread. We're probably enjoying crackers and stuff from the growth in the land. How are you doing, so? Well, okay, so maybe you waited until after the fifth. That's fair enough. So for five days we didn't have bread that was grown, that was that was produced in the land of Israel. But wait a second, after that time, after the five days in the second day of Pesach. How'd they bring korban ha The only way we're going to say that they're now permitted during the time that you're able to be makriv is that you sacrifice the omer. How'd you sacrifice the omer? Well, it has to be that you grew the land, you produced the barley that was necessary, you cut it, you brought it to the mikdash, or you brought it to the place where the mikdash is going to be, or you brought it to where your mishkan is at that time when you entered into the land. You sacrificed and now the food is permitted. I have a question for you. Where did they get the barley for that Korban HaOmer In year one in the land of Israel It's hard for us to argue It's actually impossible Because the Pasuk says explicitly That after Pesach They began using After the second day of Pesach They began using the grain of the land How did they begin using the grain of the land? How it, So says Rabbi Maybe they used the growth of the non-Jews The Gemara I'm blowing the whole Gemara Punch by punch over here But that's okay The Gemara says it has to be your own growth It has to be your own cutting it has to be your own growth, it has to be your own cutting. We're back to square one. They only have five days to pull this off. You have to, within five days, grow the barley from the field. It has to be both. It has to be your own cutting, which we assume means your own growth as well. So you might already understand the direction we're going, and once you're going to do go in this direction, maybe I'll argue something like this. We were able to pull off a third of the growth within those five days and as a result, although it's not fully grown maybe it was a third of growth, I cut that and I brought it together. says not only am I not scoffing at the measurement of the rabbis, maybe I can prove it from what happened in history in Tzephiyah Shua, let me piece it up together again we're talking about on the second day of Pesach they had to have brought a Korban HaOmer that's the assumption, we'll see why in a second well if they had to have bring it and the other assumption and we'll prove this or suggest this from Pesukim is that it had to come from our own growth and you couldn't have your own growth in such a small period of time, well it must be that Rather, instead of getting a full growth, they had a third of growth. A third of growth was sufficient. That's what they used for Kobana Omer. That's maturity of the growth. In one month? In five days. Five days. Excellent. Very difficult still. Says the Gemara Im to Omar. Okay, they asked this question to, and this is Rabir Mia recounting the fact. They asked this question to Rav Kahana. The Omer, which they brought in year one, where'd they get it from? Maybe the circumstance was that they brought it from non-Jewish growth. In the, the Torah says it needs to be your cutting. It needs to be your own. And it can't be from a non-Jew. All right, so we're, the, the question's getting get, getting exciting. It can't be that you just walked into the land and you cut from the field. It has to be your own cuts It needs to be from your own growth. Okay, maybe I'll send you in a different direction. Maybe they never brought a korban omen. Maybe year one in Eretz Israel, we weren't ready for it. Ones rahmana patre. If your honest, it's out of your hand, you can't do it. You can't do it. We weren't able to do it first year into the land. We didn't have korban omen. No, sir. You should not think to say. So, diktiv, the pasuk says, Vayochidu me avur mimahorata pesach. Pasuk says explicitly, we began eating from the field. The pasuk and Sefi Yoshua. Year one, an entrance to the land after pesach after the first day of Pesach. Clearly, it was something having to do with the beginning of Pesach, Pesach, meaning Kodana HaOmer, which now made it permitted to enjoy the produce of the field. Well, let me ask you a question. How were they bringing that korban? That's proving that they brought a korban on the second day. After all, after uh, after all, why would the pasuk say they only began enjoying it after Pesach? How would they get it? Akrivu omer says the Gemara. Excuse me, akrivu omer must be that they brought the omer. Question: Mehechan hikrivu? Where would they get the barley for this sacrifice? Amar lahen. We'll conclude with this for now. Amar lahen responded Rav Kahana and Al Rabbi Yomian, concluding his repentance. Says, "You see, I found I overheard this conversation in the midrash, and I agree with you. The rabbis were, of course, they were right. They knew a third is the maturity, because after all, Rav Kahana responded to them. The halacha was that the nochri, the non-Jew, began the planting." It hadn't yet matured to a third. We took over the land, it's my field. But you didn't plant it, but it hasn't brought a third yet. If it's not mature, it hasn't brought a third. It means when the third comes up, whose is it? It's mine, it was a nothing before him. Says Rav Kahana to his student. Says Rabbi Yirbiir now to his friend, his Rabbi to Bizera. You see that when we said earlier, the third is the measurement. When Mars questioned it, when the women Miah, questioned. It, maybe I shouldn't have questioned it. Maybe it's proven from circumstances of first year in Eretz Kenan, first year in Eretz Israel. The way Sefer Yoshua seems to tell us, they brought a korban haomer, but they couldn't have brought a korban haomer from the non-Jews. It must be instead the non-Jews had planted it. It hadn't yet grown a third. It grew a third in hour, an hour possession. As a result, from that we brought the korban olam. Of course, the Gemara will challenge this. Of course, the Gemara will challenge this in its coming lines. But for now, let's stand with that proof.